Hi, this is Rick Thompson, the pastor at Living Water Community Church. This is our podcast, and I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message builds your faith and blesses you. Please enjoy it. church said amen Amen to that good morning church family good morning morning, those who've come and those who are viewing us online I want to say thank you you could have you could be anywhere but you chose to be here you chose to turn us on today I'm going to ask those who are viewing us online to take it a step further to to like our page and to subscribe to it if you haven't already done so and to share it like it subscribe to it and to share it if you've been liking what you've been hearing over the last few weeks and few months um, so that we can get the gospel out to as many people as possible. Is that, is that cool? Amen? And so again, my name is Rick Thompson. I'm the pastor here at Living Water Community Church. I want to welcome you. We've been, at the, we've been in a series that we've entitled DM Me, and we're at the end of that series. DM stands for Direct Message Me. Direct Message Me. And we've been exploring the idea that if God were to direct message us using text talk, what would he say? Can you imagine if he got one of our devices and he started texting us? What would he say? And we've already heard uh, 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 on a couple of topics. I I, I brought the first message and a message that I've entitled, What Makes God LOL. What does LOL stand for? What makes them laugh out loud? Go back and listen to that message. It's not just giving him your plans. (laughs) Come on, somebody. Okay? And then Pastor Sean gave us a glimpse into the text talk of the TLDR, Too Long Didn't Read. What are some things that we need to know that if we took the time to really read it, we would understand it better? The Bible says to study to show yourself approved. Come on, somebody. Spend a little bit more time in the Word of God, especially as it relates to the resurrection. That was his message. Pastor Stephen lighten us on the LMK. What does LMK stand for? Let me know. That's right. And, and he expounded on the fact that what, uh, what, God wants, what, what God wants us to know or what, what um, concerning, you know, our love for him. Does that make sense? Concerning our love for him and, and the I-C-Y-M-I, in case we missed it, there are some things that that he broke down in his message, worth going back to listen. And then Amanda came back with the hashtag TBT. And he said, she said that meant a few things. So throwback Thursday and Taco Bell tonight. That caused some problems. I can't imagine God saying that. Taco Bell tonight. Let's all run for the border and then run for the bathroom. No, she, she, hers was truth be told. If God were to text you, he would text you TBT, truth be told. Truth be told as it relates to what the word says and what the world says. And if you have to choose between what the world, what the word says and what the world says, choose what the word says. Amen. That's a more reliable source. And all through, those, all through those messages, there was a common theme of the love of the Father. Did you, did, you, did you sense that? A common theme of the love of the Father and his love for us, which is like the cherry on top as far as I'm concerned. 
because it's probably the most important message of all. If God were to DM us, I, I believe that on the top of his list, the thing he would tell us is I-L-Y. Let me count the ways. What does I-L-Y stand for? Wow, someone is up on this text talk. Say it again for those who don't know. I L and what's the sign language? Is that it? Is that the one for I, I love you? I love you. Let me count the ways. If God would direct message us, I promise you at the top of his list, he'll tell us that he loves us as only a loving father could. He's going to tell you that he loves you in multiple times, multiple times and in multiple ways, because sometimes just hearing it once isn't enough. I heard about a couple who were going through family therapy, having problems, and her complaint was, he never says, I love you anymore. It's been 20 years. And so the therapist kind of looked at him as to say, what gives, man? And his response was, sir, I told her I love her on our wedding day. If anything changes, I will let her know. <laughs> Something's wrong with him. Speaking of weddings and Unusual ways of saying I love you. I came across a wedding that happened in New Zealand, and they had a thing called the hawker uh, dance uh, taking place within this wedding. And they do it in, at weddings, at graduations, at coming-of-age ceremonies, but weddings as well. And I want you to sit, tell me where you can see where the I love you comes in during this wedding. Take a look at this.
Pretty unusual, huh? Definitely unusual. But it's called a haka. Again, it's done at ceremonies. It originally was a war thing within their culture, but over the years it's morphed into a way of showing respect and love toward the people that they're, they're doing it for. Did anyone else sense that? Yeah, it was there. And so it's just another way of saying I love you. And sometimes, sometimes one way is not enough. And God knows that. So he didn't just tell us one time. He told us several times in multiple ways that he loves us. There are multiple ways that God tells us through the scriptures that he loves us. The apostle Paul said it like this in, in, in uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 38. He says, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the, help me out somebody, from what? From the love of God that is found where? That is in Christ Jesus. Folks, if, if you've not heard it before or you needed a reminder, you're going to get the reminder today. God loves you. And there's nothing that will separate you from his love. The Bible says neither height nor depth nor angels nor things present nor past nor future. What you do in the past, there's so many things that the enemy holds over your head to try to keep you from your relationship with the Father. Nothing can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Amanda's message, who was here last week for Amanda's message? If you missed Amanda's message, go back and listen to Amanda's message. Because in that she had shared about a young girl in her school who God prompted to tell her that, he, that she liked the, this young girl. And it reminded me of when we went to Brazil on a mission trip a few years ago, and we were ministering in the slums of Brazil in a particular area, and the, we were, the premise was that we were missionaries and we were knocking on the doors, and there were maybe hundreds of doors that, that we had split up to, 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 to minister to, and to see if they would open the door and, and, and let us in in terms of or at least... Uh, to pray for them. And this one particular girl, she opened the door, and I told her, girl, I mean, she was a young woman, but you could tell that, that um, even though she was a young woman, she had two little girls that were, you know, running around in diapers behind her, but you could tell on her face that, you know, life had taken its toll on her already. And so we asked if she wanted prayer, and she, and she, she reluctantly said, you know, okay, yes. And so... We prayed for her in general, but then the Holy Spirit told me to tell her, tell her that I said, tell her that I love her. And so I turned to the interpreter because I don't speak, uh, you know, Portuguese, and I tell her that. So he told her, and she said, okay. And then the Holy Spirit said it again, tell her that I said I love her. Jesus said, turned to her. Jesus said, tell you that He loves you. She said, oh, oh, oh okay. And then the Lord said, tell her again. And so I did. I said, the Lord said to tell you that he loves you. And he just automatically interpreted it. He said, said it right to her. And as I looked her in the eye, she looked me in the eye. All of a sudden, she just started to weep as the presence of the Lord came in. How many of you know that the, that the love of God can change your heart? Come on, somebody. The love of God could change. And we saw it over and over again as we went from, uh, went from apartment to apartment that the presence of the Lord, and when you, when you start out with the love of God, it has the ability to break down walls. But in her case, she needs to hear it more than once. And most of us need to hear it more than once. Come on, somebody. And God knows that. He tells us that he loves us in multiple times and in multiple ways. And in the scripture, I've come up with at least four ways 
that it's important for us to remember that God tells us that he loves us. And I want you to write that down. If you don't have an outline, raise your hand. Let's get one to you. But you can follow us online. And the first way is the I-L-Y, or the I love you, of his creation. Write that down. Of his creation. Now, who is his creation? Turn to someone and say, you are. (laughs) I am. Matter of fact, I want you to take a deep breath right now. Now, take your pulse. Everybody still with me? The fact that you're here, the fact that you're here or ever was here is proof positive of the love of the Father. The Bible says we were created in his image and in his likeness. At some point when they were trying to challenge Jesus as to who he was and trying to trap him, he says, they, they went to him and said, is it lawful, us, is it lawful for us to pay taxes? And he, he wasn't even stumped at all because they were trying to get him to say, yes, it's lawful to pay taxes. And they were trying to throw him under the bus against the people. If he said, yes, pay the taxes, then, then he's for Roman uh, control of us. If he said, no, he's an insurrectionist. It was a trick question. Jesus said, give me a coin. And as they handed him a coin and the crowd was looking at him, he says, he held up the coin. He says, whose image is on this coin? And they said, Caesar's image is on this coin because that's whose coin it was. He says, well, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and to God what belongs to God. And what was he saying in that moment? Well, this coin was made in the image of Caesar. Give it back to Caesar. But you and I were made in the image and likeness of our father. Come on, somebody. And so God wants us back. God wants us back. You were made in the image and likeness of our daddy. Reminded me of when I was, when when my wife and I were younger and we had a home in Sunrise. And there was a, the Publix right up the street. We lived right off of Sunset Strip. And we would shop at that Publix. And when Amanda and Ricky, you know, they're grown now. Ricky's on the drums and Amanda's leading the worship. But back then, they were just little toddlers, little, little babies. And we would shop there occasionally together, but oftentimes, Deb would go by herself. And on this one occasion, when she went with, her, with, with the, just the kids, we had two at the time, a lady stopped her, one of the tellers, and said, is your husband the, a, a tall, light-skinned, good-looking man with green eyes? And she said, yes. How did you know that? She said, because I'm looking at your kids and they look just like them. Come on, somebody. (laughs) Folks, we've been made in the image and likeness of our father, and you look just like them. Come on, somebody. (laughs) In Psalms, the psalmist said, in Psalms 139, 14, it says, I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. One translation says, we are God's masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus to sit around. Come on, somebody. Help me. Are we just to sit around? Are we just to just kind of try to wait out this plague and, 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 and kind of do nothing? Come on, somebody. No, it says we are created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us 
to do. Our creation absolutely speaks of the love of God and that we were created with a plan and a purpose and to be in fellowship with the Father from the very beginning. That's what the garden was all about, fellowship with the Father. And friends, God created you and I, and he doesn't make junk. He doesn't make junk. He made something beautiful that reflects his heart and his image. And he created this world with enough resources on this planet to feed everyone a thousand times over. Or someone would say, well, Bell's working. Why are people going hungry? Not because the world can't sustain it. People are going hungry because of access and greed in the hearts of men. Yes. Who take over certain areas and then don't allow those resources to pass through without them getting paid or them getting their thing. Even with medicines today, it's the same thing. They can cure this, but they, someone wants to get paid. You understand what I'm saying? The problem isn't resources as far as God is concerned. There's enough resources on this planet for every single person that has been born and will be born. And that shows, that reflects the love of the Father. Secondly, there's an I. L-Y of his arrival, speaking of Jesus. He came a long way just to let us know he loves us. John 3.16 says, for God so, help me somebody. He did, he did what? He, did, he, did, he, he, he so loved the world, and I always like to put my name in there, for God so loved me, and he so loved you, for God so loved you that he gave his one and only son. And if you were the only one left in this planet, he would come for you. He would come for you. That whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. What, what gives us the right to have eternal life? Believing. Believing in Jesus. That's right. That's exactly right. John 12, 47 says, For I did not come, Jesus speaking, to judge the world, but to but to save the world. It's so much nicer preaching in a room with people in it. <laughs> it's a conversation. Amen? Amen? Folks, the fact that Jesus is here or has come is proof positive of his love for us. Romans 5, 8 says, For God demonstrated, that means he proved his love for us, in that while we were yet sinners... While we were yet enemies of the cross, while we were yet against him, Christ died for us. In other words, he didn't wait for us to get our act together, thank God. He didn't wait for you to put on your Christian t-shirt and to clean up your act. He didn't wait for you to, to get it all worked out before he said, you know what? I love you and I'm, go I'm coming and I'm going to die for you. It says, while we were yet sinners... One translation said, while we were yet still enemies of God, Jesus did this. God demonstrated his love that while he really yet sinned, Christ died for us. Listen to what the Apostle Paul said to young Pastor Timothy. He said, here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would do what? Believe, believe in him and do what? Receive. And receive eternal life. Believe and receive. 
Believe and receive. Now, did you hear what the Apostle Paul said? Jesus arrived to save sinners. And my Bible says all have sinned. No exceptions. So Jesus arrived to save you and to save me and to save the entire world. This is how he demonstrated his love. This is how he fulfilled his plan and his purpose in his life. But Paul gave us a further glimpse into the love of the Father, which is indicative of the third reason he came and, de and demonstrated his love for us. I want you to write this down. That's the I-L-Y of his delayed return. His delayed return. Paul called it a display of his immense patience, describing himself as the worst of sinners. We're going to circle back to that one. But Peter described it this way in 2 Peter 3, 9. He said, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with us, with you, not wanting anyone to do what? To perish, but everyone to? He's being patient with us, not wanting anyone to perish, but for everyone to come to repentance. Friends, the reason why Jesus hasn't returned yet, come on is because he doesn't want anyone to go to hell. Can I just make it that plain and simple? He doesn't want anyone to go to hell. It's not his heart for anyone to go to that prison called hell. Now think about that just for one moment. That's a big old I love you. I'm slowing things down because I want just one more to come into the kingdom. Would you be that one more? Would you be that one more? Listening to me online. I mean, and so what does he do? He raises up the Apostle Pauls. He raises up the, the, the Peters. He raises up the Pastor Ricks and, and, the, and the Pastor Sean's and the Pastor Steve's as an example of, of, of his perfection. No, of an example of his grace, of an example of his mercy. Amen? In the hopes of one thing, that one more will come to faith. If one more could look at Pastor Rick and say, oh, he's a screw-up, and God saved him, come on, somebody, then maybe I've got a chance. Paul called himself the worst of sinners, and he wasn't exaggerating. We don't look at Paul in that category because he wrote most of the New Testament, but that was his after coming to Christ days. His B.C. days, Paul's B.C. days, Paul was a religious terrorist. Paul was a persecutor of the church. He was a murderer. He had blood on his hands. And so when Paul calls himself the worst of sinners, he's not exaggerating. He understood the grace of God that was poured out on his life, that if God didn't knock him down in that moment, he was going to hell in a handbasket. And so he calls himself the worst of sinners. And, 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 and the implication is that if, if, he can, if God can save the worst of sinners, we all stand a chance. What have you done? What sins have you committed? Well, compared to Paul, I'm sure if God can pour out his grace on Paul, he can pour out his grace on you. Amen? Amen. And not because Paul is good or because I'm good. It's because God is good. And because the blood of Jesus is all sufficient. And it's reflective of the love of God. Amen? And so, with that, we've all, how many believers we have in the house today? 
Not ashamed to say, I, I, I'm a follower of Jesus. I love that. Hands up, up all over the place. With that, you've all been given a commission. You've been all been given a mandate. Again, it's not just about pew sitting. It's about fulfilling the plans that God has for us. In fact, he gave us a title. He, he says, I'm, I'm calling you ambassadors. You are an ambassador. Write that down somewhere. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says this. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we can be made right with God through whom? Through Christ. And so Paul saw himself as an ambassador, and every single one of us should see ourselves as that same thing. We all have one job to do while we're here on this planet. It's to tell as many people about Jesus as possible. And not from a place of pride, but from a place of, uh, of humility. We are literally one beggar telling another beggar where we found bread. And Jesus is the bread of life. Come on, somebody. This is my job, to just point people to Jesus. It ain't that difficult. Point people to Jesus. Where'd you get it, Pastor Rick? Jesus. 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 Amen? Amen. One beggar telling another beggar where they found bread. And so... Creation declares his love for us. And his arrival, the fact that he came, declares his love for us. But his delay, the fact that he's, he, he hasn't returned yet, declares his love for us and his patience for us. Let me give you the fourth and final this morning. There's the I-L-U or I-L-Y of his coming back, of his return. How many know he says he's coming back? And Jesus said in John 14, 3, he says, if I go and prepare a place for you, help me somebody, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where? Where I am. Friends, family, he has not left us as orphans. We might find ourselves feeling that way on this planet with people who say they're always going to be there and didn't turn out to, it didn't work out that way. But that's never the case with the Father, amen? That's never the case with the Father. He says he's coming back. He's not leaving us as orphans. As, as, as orphans. Like I said, and when he comes back, I said this in the first message, and when he comes back, he's not coming back as a suffering servant, but he's coming back as a conquering king. In Revelations 19.11, this is what it says. He says, then I saw heaven opened, and, I, and a white horse was standing there, and its rider's name was Faithful and True, for he judges fairly and wages a righteous war. His eyes were like flames of fire on his head and were many, and were many crowns. A name was written on him that no one understood except himself. He wore a robe dipped in blood, and his title was the Word of God. And the armies of heaven, dressed in the finest of pure white linen, followed him on white horses. From his mouth came a sharp sword to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron rod. He will release the fierce wrath of God, the Almighty, like juice flowing from a winepress. And on his robe, at his thigh, was written this title. Say it with me, folks. King of all kings and Lord 
of all lords. He's coming back, folks. Jesus is coming back. He's coming back for his own. And the fact that he's coming back reminds us deeply of his love for us, his desire to be with us. But here's the $64,000 question. When he returns, not if, when he returns, will you be among the ones that he comes back for? Will you be among those? Will you experience the blessing of his I-L-Y, I love you? Or will you be among those who are cast in the outer darkness where the Bible says there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth? Luke chapter 13. I didn't say it. Jesus said it. Make every effort to enter through the narrow door because many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able to. Once the owner of the house gets up and closes the door, you will stand outside knocking and pleading, Sir, open the door for us. But he will answer, I don't know you or where you come from. Then you will say, Well, we ate with you and we drank with you and we toiled in our streets. Now, if I do a little paraphrase in here, then you would say, Well, I came to church on Christmas and Easter. I, 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 I gave the homeless person $5. I put a little bit of something in the orphan plate before I left. Then you would say, you, know, you would start to expose your, your good works. But the answer will still be the same because you've never surrendered your heart completely to him. Verse 27, but he will reply, I don't know you or where you come from. Away from me, all you evildoers. Verse 28, and there will be weeping there and gnashing of teeth. Think about gnashing of teeth. This, that's, I mean, just this, this anger. When you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourselves thrown out. Folks, that's going to be a glorious day for some, a dark, dark day for others. That's a sobering thought. The question is, how do we make sure that, that that doesn't happen to us? How do we make every effort to enter into the narrow door? Well, making sure in your outline, first you've got to enter through the narrow gate or the narrow door and know what his name is. His name is Jesus. Come on, somebody. He's the only way into heaven. We're going to talk about that as we go into the next series. It's not Jesus and, it's Jesus only. And secondly, you've got to embrace his ILYs, the ILYs of his creation. Understand that God tells us that he loves us, and he tells us in multiple ways and, and multiple times. He tells us of his creation, the ILY of his arrival, the ILY of his delay. Why is he delaying? Because of his patience. He's patient with you and me. He's been waiting for a long time, and he's saying, I, I, just one more, just one more, just one more. But today, the Bible says, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Don't harden your heart. Today, you respond to the wooing and the calling of the Holy Spirit in your life. Many are called, but few are chosen. And the chosen are those who answer the call, in my humble opinion. Those who said yes. To the Holy Spirit in their lives. And then the I-L-Y the of his coming back. 
and understanding that we can't, just, we can't be spectators. God has called us to be ambassadors, that there is a job that he has created us to do. You are his masterpiece. You were created in Christ Jesus before the foundation of the world to do good works. Whatever that work is, I, t- I promise you, the top of that list is to point people to Jesus. Through your life, through your lifestyle, to point people to Jesus. You're an ambassador. I am an ambassador. It doesn't get any more complicated than that. It's more to this thing than just showing up on Christmas and Easter and occasionally. There's more to it. There's a study to show thyself approved in terms of showing, in Pastor Steve's message, showing that you love him. Not just he, that he loves you, but that you love him as well. And what are you willing to do to show him that you love him? And then it's the personal thing. Believe and receive, right? It's admitting, it's believing, and it's confessing. A, B, C, not that complicated. Admit that you're a sinner. Believe that Jesus is God's son. That he came to die for you and to confess your faith in him and him alone for the forgiveness of your sin. A, B, C. If you've not yet done that or you're not sure, it'd be my privilege and my honor just to lead you in a prayer of commitment and or recommitment to him. Can we do that? I'm going to ask everyone to bow their heads and to close their eyes and, not, and those who are listening online, same thing. If that's your heart and you want to make sure that when Jesus returns, he's returning for you as well, and you'd like for me to lead you in a simple prayer of commitment to him, just slip up your hand and say, Pastor Rick, I want to, I see your hand. Is anybody else? I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand. Hands going up all over the place. I see your hand. I don't have to see your hand. If you're watching online, God sees, I see your hand. God sees your hand. This is called get, get real. Get right or get left. That's basically what it's called at this point. It's trusting God and, and him alone for the salvation of your soul. God sees your hand. Those who raise your hand, say something like this from your heart. Say, Heavenly Father, I come before you right now. I thank you for loving me in multiple ways in multiple, and telling me in multiple, multiple times. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die on the cross for me. Right now, I admit that I am a sinner. I acknowledge that I have fallen short of the standard of God. And don't be flipped with it. If there are things that you are doing or have been done, you're creating an altar in your heart with him. He already knows. Just tell him and apologize and say, Father, forgive me for these things. The Bible says, if I confess my sins, he's faithful and just to forgive me of my sins and to cleanse me of all unrighteousness. And so I don't have to worry about God not doing what he says. I can confess my sins and he will forgive me of my sins. So you admit that you're a sinner. Now you believe and place your faith in Jesus Christ for your salvation of your soul. Father, right now I commit myself completely to Jesus for my salvation. And I confess my faith in him 
and him alone. I surrender all to you. In Jesus' name, I pray. And Father, I'm going to pray for you. Father, you saw all the hands that went up in this house. I pray, Lord, that you would fill them with your spirit, with your power, with your love, that today would not be the, the end of a journey with you, but it would be the beginning of a long and lasting journey with you, that they would not be ashamed of who you are, but that they would trust you completely, that you would fill them with your spirit, with your power, with your love from this day forward. They start following after you with a newness in their heart. Give them a desire, a, a desire to, to read your word and to understand your love in even more deeper ways. A blessing on every single one of them. In Jesus' name we pray. And we all say, Amen. Thank you so very much for listening to this message. We hope you were truly blessed. If you were, please subscribe to our podcast if you haven't already and share it with a friend. Doing so will cause the seeds of God's word and the message of his love to spread like wildfire. So thanks again for partnering with us in this important way. Stay thirsty for Christ, my friends, until the whole world hears. God bless.